Hey, Harvest. So continuing on to chapter 15 of Mark, first 20 verses. And obviously we're dealing with the trial of Jesus. He's already been before the Sanhedrin, the council, as it's referred to in Mark. Uh, now we're going to get a trial in a sense before Pontius Pilate and uh, then out before a crowd and then mocked. And the way that I would just kind of summarize this whole passage is that Jesus took my place and shows the way. Jesus took my place and he shows the way. You know, as you're reading through this, I think an important thing for us to keep in mind and, you, and just note all the different ways that Jesus is hurt, accused wrongly, um, lied about, uh, all the different things of abuse that he takes, even up to the cross, which we'll deal with next week. Um, those are all things that I deserve. So I think one way to think about this passage is, this is the cost of my sin, my, my disobedience, my wandering off, how I've walked away and gone my own way, right? So remember how we've looked at Isaiah 53 a lot as we've gone through this part of Mark and how we all like sheep have gone astray and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In other words, the sin of us all, the evil of us all. And there's this great exchange. I think it's really fascinating too that it's like the Jews, they want to put him to death in the last chapter. They make it clear because of his quote unquote blasphemy. But then when they go to Pontius Pilate, he's not going to, they don't have the power to kill Jesus because they're actually not in charge. Ultimately, it's the Roman government that's in charge. They need Rome to, to kill him. And so they go to Pontius Pilate, not with a charge of blasphemy, but it becomes pretty clear that the charge is, uh, you know, essentially insurrection because his claim immediately from Pilate is, are you the king of the Jews? So they've gone to him and said, hey, Pontius Pilate. Here's a guy we found that wants to overthrow Rome. Now there's a capital offense. The Romans would definitely put him to death for that. Pontius Pilate grills him. And then you see what's amazing is that it goes before the crowd. And there's, they have this custom in the day where during this, the festival of unleavened bread that they're doing right now, that Pontius Pilate, you know, essentially to throw a bone to the crowd, uh, would release a prisoner to them. So he's like, you want Jesus? Or you want Barabbas? And they're like, we want Barabbas. And isn't it fascinating that an actual insurrectionist gets released uh, and someone who's innocent of insurrection goes to, to trial? And what a contrast there for us to imagine is that I am a liar. Jesus is accused of lying and Jesus pays the price for my lies. I have committed lust, adultery in my mind. I've hated people. I've spoken poorly. I've, I've been very selfish. I mean, just go down the list of all the sins that I've committed. We'd be here all day. All those things are true of me, but Jesus is accused of them. I go free. Jesus pays the price for me. There's that idea of that exchange. And we see that in the release of Barabbas. And we see that uh, all the torment that he goes through, being mocked and scourged, all these things that even in their own right, would bring someone near death. And then I think the next big idea is that Jesus is giving us an example of how we interact with people that wrong us. And I want to show you, I think, an amazing passage. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, For to this 
you have been called, the calling that God's brought you into in this life. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you may follow in his steps. This is the example. Jesus is the perfect human. And he gives us the example of what to follow. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Jesus didn't need to take control of the situation because he knew that his Father in heaven was in complete control. The same is true for us. Why do we need to control the things in our lives if, in fact, the Father is in control of the things that are in our lives? Why do I need to lash out when people lash at me? It's because I think ultimately we don't trust God to properly judge the situation. Verse 24, he himself bore our sins in, or 20, yeah, 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that he, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep. There we are, Isaiah 53. But have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. I'm just so encouraged by this passage because Jesus gives us this model of how to, to live in response to the evil that might be uh, aimed at us. This is the thing that God's called us to. Let's follow him in the example that he sets for us. But let's also recognize that Jesus has paid the price for our sin so that we can be dead to sin, as it said in 1 Peter, and alive to righteousness. He makes the way, and here we're getting into how he made the way. There's a lot of incredible detail here that I want. I'm really excited about you guys pulling out and digging out. And I look forward to hearing from you guys and seeing you this Sunday.